Hi everyone, thanks for that warm welcome, Jason. Um, so as Jason mentioned, I'm an intern here at the church. I've been interning here since the end of September, but been coming out since June. Um, and I just wanted to say it's been really a really nice experience for me getting to know this community slowly. And um, I've been joining the leadership cohort once a month. That's been really special. And yeah, leading the CG has been really great. I just have to give a quick shout out to my CG. I really appreciate you guys. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's been really great serving with the children. Actually, the children we've been talking about, Moses and the Israelites, um, recently, which is actually what I'm going to be preaching on today, so very fitting. Uh, but as Jason mentioned, it's the first week of Advent, so we're starting to look towards the coming of Christ, preparing our hearts for that. Um, and today I'll be preaching on the topic of hope. So I'm, we're actually going to go back to the Old Testament, though, as I mentioned. We're going to go to Moses. So I'm going to be reading Exodus 3, verses 1 to 14. If you'd like, you can turn there in your Bible apps or possibly physical Bible. And I'm going to be reading the first 14 verses in the NRSV version, the New Revised Standard Version. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Amen. So this scene starts in the wilderness, in the middle of what has become Moses' daily grind. So maybe for some of us, we get up, we check our email, we drink some coffee, sit in some traffic. For Moses, he gets up and it says he keeps the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. So these animals don't even belong to him, but he gets up, he leads some sheep or goats around in the desert in the hot sun, just out in the middle of nowhere. He is nowhere, going nowhere. 
And this is not the picture that we typically think of when we think of Moses. We usually either think of the baby in a basket going down the Nile, or we think of the glorious leader who confronts Pharaoh, who leads the people through the Red Sea, who carries the Ten Commandments down from Mount Sinai with the glory of God shining from his face. But this Moses here is lost. How did Moses get here? You know, so I want to take us back for a second to the beginning of Exodus. We can remember uh, the context the, the story comes in. So as you might recall, Moses had a very complicated upbringing and childhood. Um, he was a Hebrew and Israelite, and he was born in Egypt. And the Egyptian pharaoh was intimidated by the Israelites, so he decided to make them slaves. And he also decided to try to kill off all the baby boys which leads Moses' mom to send him in the basket down the Nile River, where Moses is found by Pharaoh's daughter and adopted, pretty ironically. And then he gets sent back to his birth mom to be raised, and then when he's older, he gets sent back to the palace. And so he becomes like a prince in Egypt, thus the title of the animated movie, Prince of Egypt. <laughs> but ethnically, he's not Egyptian, and he knows this. He knows who his real people are. And every day, he sees them be oppressed brutalized by the Egyptians. He lives in the palace, he gets educated, he's waited on by servants. Meanwhile, his real people and his real family are out in the sun breaking their backs to make bricks for Pharaoh. Frustration, anger, heartache build up inside of Moses. He lives in a place of power, and yet he's powerless. But perhaps some of us can relate to this a little bit because we have some money, some privilege, some comfort, and then we look around us and see others struggling, fighting to survive, fighting unjust systems. And maybe we feel a little guilty for having more, and yet we feel powerless to really right the wrongs and fix all the broken systems. That's a painful place to be. So you know, one day, Moses breaks he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he's like, I just can't stand back and watch this any longer. I have to do something. So he kills the Egyptian. He takes someone else's life. But guess what? It doesn't change anything except to put Moses' life in danger. So he runs. And this part of the story reminds me of The Lion King, which happens to be my favorite Disney movie of all time. <laughs> And it reminds me of the part near the beginning when Simba believes that he has caused his father's death. And he's so filled with shame and fear that he runs. He listens to the voice of his uncle Scar, who's like, run and never return. So he just runs out into, into the desert, leaves everything that he knows. That's Moses. He doesn't just lay low for a couple months or years. He runs away for good. He gives up. When we, uh, in the beginning of this passage, He's been living in the desert for about 40 years. And we find out in Exodus 7 that Moses is 80 years old when he confronts Pharaoh. So he clearly had no intention of ever returning to Egypt or returning to his people. He expected to die out in the desert. This was Moses' plan. Forget who he was, forget the injustice he witnessed, forget the horrible mistake that he made. Just live in the middle of nowhere and go nowhere. That was preferable to facing his past because it was just too messy, too painful, too shameful, and he felt powerless. What is the point of facing the pain, of recognizing the injustice, of looking at your past 
if you're powerless. And then one day, Moses is just walking around in the desert with some animals, and he wanders beyond the wilderness to the mountain of God, it says in verse 1. He sees a bush that is burning, but not burning up. And he stops and turns to look at it. And in that moment, God calls him by name. Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. In the middle of nowhere, Moses encounters the living God. And it changes everything. Hope finds Moses out in the desert in the most unlikely of forms. A flame of fire in a bush that is burning, but not burning up. So the title of this message is The Power of Hope. One of the most precious and powerful gifts God offers us is hope. One of the things we most desperately need from God is hope. But the good news is that's exactly what God desires to give us, and that's exactly what Jesus offers us. Hope is like a fire, like that fire in the bush. It brings warmth, it brings light. Hope is the light that shines in the darkness, that the darkness cannot understand and has not overcome. So I'm gonna talk about three aspects of hope that we see here in this passage. I'm gonna talk about the source of hope, the power of hope, and the path of hope. So first, what is the source of our hope? Well, it's a pretty simple answer, right? It's God, typical Sunday school answer. Um, but we see this truth so poignantly here in this story. Moses had lost all hope. He had given up. For 40 years, he had been out in the wilderness. For 40 years, his people had still been suffering under the cruelty of the Egyptians. But God, the I am who I am, was still alive and active. Moses had closed his eyes to the suffering of his people, but God had not. Moses has hit, had hid his pain deep down inside, but God had not. I see it, I hear it, I feel it, I know it, God says here. I know the suffering of my people. I've been feeling it all these years. This is the God that we serve, one who does not stand back at a distance from the mess and the pain. He enters into our mess, our shame, our pain. We see it here in this passage. God says, I've come down to deliver the people. And he comes down in this flame of fire in the, and encounters Moses in the middle of his daily grind. And we also see it in Jesus. In Jesus' decision to come down to earth as a human being and subject himself to 33 years of living on this earth right in the middle of our brokenness, to even allowing himself to be tortured and killed, to experience the most painful, shameful parts of our messy world. God is a God who draws near to the pain, who is not intimidated by the mess. It's too messy, too painful, too shameful for us, not for God. Who am I, Moses asks, who am I to go to Pharaoh? And God's response is simply, I will be with you. He actually doesn't directly answer Moses' question, because the most important question is not who are we, but who is with us. And who is this God that is with us? He's one that draws near to the pain. But also he gives two answers here in this passage. He first identifies himself as I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God defines himself in relationship to people, to specific people. He is a personal, relational God. 
And also, when Moses asks indirectly, what is your name? What should I tell people your name is? God says, I am who I am. I simply am. I'm beyond being defined. I'm unchangeable. I am. So on the one hand, God is so personal, so intimate. He knows us by name. He desires to be known by us. And yet on the other hand, I love this about God, how there's so many contradictions to who God is. He's the both and, personal and yet beyond us. So the source of our hope is the God who has been faithful to generations of people before us, who has known them by name, and who is also the great I am who I am, unchangeable, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. God both cares and he is powerful, and that's what gives us hope. He sees, he knows, and he has a plan. And he has a part for us to play in that plan. Which brings me to my second point, the power of hope. To me, the greatest miracle in the story is not the burning bush. You know, that's pretty cool. The bush is burning, but it's not burning up. Like, whoa. But <laughs> God is the ruler of the universe. Of course, he couldn't kind of bend the laws of science. To me, the greatest miracle is how this encounter with God changes Moses. You know, people changing, <laughs> that's pretty, that's the biggest miracle to me. We see in this conversation that Moses has with God that he is full of so many doubts, fears, insecurities. This conversation goes on longer than we read this morning. He keeps making excuse after excuse about why he should not go back. But in the end, he does. He goes back. He goes back to Egypt, back to the place of his pain and failure and powerlessness. He confronts Pharaoh persistently, repeatedly. He steps up to lead his people. How? Why? Because now Moses knows that the Almighty God has a plan. Moses now knows that he doesn't have to bear this pain alone. Moses now knows that his failures have not disqualified him from being a part of God's plan. And it's not too late. It seems like it should be too late, 40 years. But it's not. Moses is empowered to do what he could not do before because this time God is with him. And that gives him hope. Hope gives us the power to engage the brokenness in the world. You know, because Moses tried to engage it before by himself, and it was just too much for him. But it was a very different thing when God sent him. God says here, I know the suffering of my people, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to send you, Moses, to lead my people into freedom. And I just want to emphasize two things are happening simultaneously here. First, God is taking responsibility. He takes ownership of the people. He calls them my people. God doesn't say, clean up your own mess. He says, I have come down to save my people. But at the same time, he assigns Moses a part to play. So God simultaneously carries the heavy burden of figuring out what to do, of taking responsibility for addressing the pain and brokenness in the world, and he calls us to play a part in his plan. Do we see ourselves as playing a part in God's plan? Or are we just trying to do what we can? I think there's a very big difference between those two. You know, often we try to fix things. We look around us and we just, some of us feel this zeal to fix things, but then we get crushed by reality because it's just too big for us. You know, perhaps we want to do great things for God, and that's a great impulse to have. But guess what? God doesn't actually ask us to do great things for him. He invites us to do great things with him. 
Matthew 5 says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. But unless we stay connected to the fire of God, our light grows dim. God has the plan. We just play a part. And when we recognize that, we are freed to be ourselves and to fulfill the role that we were created for. That might mean stepping up to lead. It might mean confronting things that we've been running from. It might mean simply being faithful to listen to and care for the people around us. Whatever the specifics, when we know God has sent us, that he is with us, we know that our efforts aren't futile. We may not see instant results. We may, the people we love may not always be grateful. We may run into obstacles. In fact, we probably will. If you remember, Moses goes to Pharaoh and he repeatedly says no. But whatever happens, God will help us navigate the next step. He will help us find the way forward. You know, God keeps his promise to Moses. He says here, I will be with you, and he is. He's with him when he goes to confront Pharaoh, and then even afterwards, when the Israelites are disobedient and they end up wandering around the desert for 40 more years, God stays with them in the, in the pillar of cloud and fire. Whatever happens with God with us, there is always hope. There is always a way forward. But that leads to my third point. I want to emphasize that this is a path that we're walking. So God is the source of our hope, and that hope empowers us to engage the brokenness in the world. But this is about a journey, walking on a journey. Hope is not just a lightning bolt that hits us one time and we're suddenly changed. It's more like a torch that we carry with us, every step of a long, winding journey. Sometimes we think what we need and what we're seeking is like a burning bush moment like Moses had, a supernatural encounter with God that will just transform us and change us and change everything. But actually, this encounter that Moses has with God was just the beginning of a lifelong, like long-term relationship with God. Countless encounters, conversations, and interactions with God. Countless moments where Moses steps out in faith. Moses becomes the man of whom it was said he knew God face to face and spoke to him as a person speaks to a friend. Moses would go into the tents of meeting and talk with God, and when he came out, his face would be glowing with God's glory. Moses didn't just encounter God one time. He regularly met with God. Even in this encounter here at the burning bush, Moses has a lengthy conversation with God, as I alluded to before, Moses isn't instantly transformed. He asks many questions, voices many doubts. He's hesitant, afraid. God's anger even burns against Moses because he just keeps making so many excuses about why he's not the right person and why this isn't what he wants. But you know what? God engages that conversation, and God doesn't change his mind about using Moses. That's exactly what God's always willing to do with us. He's always willing to engage in honest conversation. He's not intimidated by our doubts or fears or insecurities. Encountering God is not usually about instant transformation. It's about the start and the continuation of lifelong conversations and wrestling. So this encounter that Moses has is just the start of a relationship that grew deeper, stronger, and more glorious over time a relationship that sustained him through another 40 years in the desert, through attacks from without, from within, through many hardships, through a lot more mess. 
The journey is long and confusing, but with the torch of hope lighting our way, by staying connected to that fire of God to our source, there's always a way forward, eventually. So when I was 10 years old, I had an encounter with God in my bedroom. And you could say that that was the moment where I first met God. It was a very dark, painful season in my life. Uh, my parents were getting divorced, and I just felt like my whole world was crumbling. But I hid my pain down deep inside. And I just pretended to be strong. I pretended that everything was fine. But every night, I would cry myself to sleep, alone, afraid, hopeless. And then one night, God came and spoke to me. I was not a regular church attender at that time. I had read Genesis in the first half of Exodus because my aunt had sent me a Bible in the mail. But my parents had told me the Bible is just stories made up by people. But even so, I somehow knew that it was God who was with me. I somehow knew that the God who had spoken to Abraham, Jacob, and Moses was now speaking to me. And I could feel that you know, no one else could see my pain. I was pretty good at hiding it. But I could feel that God saw. He could see through me. He knew everything I was thinking and feeling. And he said to me, I know that you think you'll be alone for the rest of your life because you don't trust people anymore, but you won't. I will be with you, and I will take care of you. And he said, I'm God. I'm not a human being. So I'm strong enough to keep my promise. And you know, that moment changed my life. That was a life-changing moment for me. Because in the midst of my greatest darkness, I encountered hope. I encountered a God who saw me, who knew me, and who cared, and who was strong enough to lead me forward. But at the same time, that moment was just the start of a lifelong, complicated, winding journey. And there have been painful moments, experiences that have made me question whether God truly is good, whether he truly does still see me. There's been mess and disappointment. Choosing to follow God does not shield us from those things. But there's also been wonder, delight, and so much love. At the end of the day, God always manages to find me. In every season, God has been faithful to walk with me. And when I can't walk, he sits with me and holds me and processes with me. He engages in long conversations with me like the one he has here with Moses. He hears out all my questions. He's not intimidated by my emotions or my reservations. And eventually, he shows me the way forward. God the I am who I am, does not shy away from our brokenness or from the pain of this world. He enters into it. And 2,000 years ago, God came in the form of a man to live amongst our mess. Jesus came, he was born, he lived, he died, he resurrected, and then ascended to heaven. And right before he ascended, he made this promise to his disciples, behold, I'm with you always. It's the very last verse in the Gospel of Matthew. You know, I feel like sometimes at the end of movies, there's this moment where the important person's like, 
I'm leaving, but I'm with you always. And, and to me, it's a little bit corny because it's like, but they're leaving, but they're saying they're going to be there. Anyway, but when Jesus says it, it's real. It's a real promise. It's not just a metaphor. It's not just like, oh, in your memory, I'll be with you. It's not saying my story is connected to your story, so we'll always be connected. This is a real promise. Because 40 days after Jesus ascends, he sends his spirit down to dwell inside of us, to be with us, to guide us, to comfort us, and to teach us. The spirit of, is a fire that burns in our hearts, that brings light, that brings warmth, and brings power. It's not just a lightning bolt that hits us one time when we decide to follow Jesus. It's a torch that stays with us every step of our journey. Just as God appeared to Moses in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush, so Jesus sent his spirit down in tongues of fire on all those who were present at Pentecost. And just as the fire burned in that bush and yet did not consume it, somehow the holy, infinite God sends his glorious presence to dwell inside of us, and yet somehow we are not consumed. We should be. And just as that fire stayed with Moses and the people of Israel through all their wanderings in the desert, through all their complaints and disobedience and all the messiness of that journey, the Holy Spirit stays with us in every season, through every storm. God is with us. Even when we feel like we're nowhere, going nowhere, he is able to find us. And that changes everything. God with us makes it possible to face the pain and, and injustice and brokenness in the world. Because now we know we aren't bearing that pain alone. God with us makes it possible to face our own past, our failures, our guilt, our mistakes. Because now we know that those mistakes don't define us. God with us slowly transforms us. You know, Moses would meet with God, and when he came out from those meetings, his face would be glowing with God's glory. But actually, Moses didn't realize that. He only found out because all the people were so afraid of him. The same thing can happen with us. Slowly, step by step, amidst all the small choices that we make day by day to converse with God, to um, step out in obedience, to engage the brokenness in the world, to simply walk with God, we grow more and more into his likeness without even realizing it. And there's so much hope in that. God is here. Wherever we are today, whether we're wandering, whether we feel like we're running a million miles an hour, God is here. The hope of the world is shining in the darkness. The fire of God is alive and active in our midst, inviting us to draw closer, inviting us to connect, to engage. In the ordinary broken places, God appears and says, I see, I know, and I have a plan. I am here to carry all of your burdens, to show you the way. I am who I am, and I am with you always. So will you stop and turn to look as Moses did? Will you engage with God in honest conversation, take the risk of opening up those tender places in your heart? Will you take the next step that God is laying before you? Today, God is offering to lift the heavy burdens from your shoulders and simultaneously inviting you to engage. Let's pray.
God, I just praise you and thank you for your faithfulness, for being faithful in every season, in every generation, in every moment, you remain the same. Unchangeable, steady, unintimidated. And God, I just pray for a grace amongst us today, a grace to see you, to recognize what you're doing amongst us, to recognize your presence. I pray for a grace to draw close to you and to connect with that fiery love and hope and joy that is always burning. God, I pray that you would help us relinquish any burdens that we're carrying that are not from you, that you would help us open our hands in faith to release those things and also to receive from you. And we confess this morning that you are good, that you are better than we know, better than we can understand. Thank you, God, that just as you have been faithful throughout all time, you will continue to be faithful. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.